0: Good afternoon, my friends out there. This is your good friend Dan in Utah, and it is Monday, June the 27th, 2022, right around 5 p.m., Mountain Standard Time. But for my friend in Florida, my friend AJ, it's the future. What time is it there, AJ? It is 7.22 in the future. In the future? How is the future?
1: Oh, it's terrible. It's hot. It's really hot in Florida. In the future, Florida. No, it's, it's good. Uh, just a lot of stuff. I got a wife and two kids, and I started doing a tree trimming business about, uh, two, a little over two years ago, and it it has taken off as far as word of mouth referrals and just trying to adjust everything with keeping the equipment running. Going to appointments and bookings and providing quotes, and then also, of course, doing the work. And the heat doesn't help, but some good news I have my first employee, uh, just a part time kid from the neighborhood doing cleanup, which is 70% of all tree work. And uh, I don't have them running chokers on large logs or anything, Dan, like your dad had you do, but just because I'm not doing any logging, but just picking up branches and breaking and leaf blowing. But, but it's, it's been very helpful. And I feel blessed to have have him have him uh, working as hard as he is to
0: Well That's I mean, that's good news. I know that I know that that kind of work can be pretty tough. And you you, you mentioned the heat twice. How hot is it there right now? Oh, it's the it was one
1: oh seven last Thursday. It cooled off this weekend. It was in the nineties, which is that's not so bad, but. 107 with humidity and shaven palm trees. where you just get covered in the palm dust, and, and you got to pick up the fronds, move them. And, oh, it's, it's 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 an oven. But other than that, it's in the nineties are very tolerable. It's just we, that sun when you're it's night and day. I could stay underneath the tree and be fine, but the second I step step in the sun, it just scorches me, white hot.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I felt that way too. I think the heat dome is over the eastern part of the country right now. A few weeks ago, the heat dome or whatever you want to call it was over us, and it's pretty intense.
1: Yeah, it it's you you brought it up a couple of years ago when you were I think, out in Seattle walking around, just just felt like you were being radiated by the sun. Yeah, and I started to notice that as well two years ago. Uh, and then it just seems to be not exponentially building, but more uh, logarithms, so in very small increments, ra- like a ratcheting up of even more intensity. Every summer it gets worse, but not exponentially logarithmically. So it's just, I don't, we don't want to get, Dane Wigington isn't on the list of core topics, so
0: no. I'm going to leave it
1: at that, but it's, yeah. I just have to drink a lot of water, and, do my
0: best. (laughs) Make sure you drink water. Yeah. yeah.
1: How was your first day of work, Dan?
0: Well, I mean, as my listeners may or may not know, I landed a job a couple weeks ago and today was my first day. It was mostly set up. um, Typical first day of the job, computer programmer stuff. Get your tools set up, get your environment information so you can log into environments and You know, the people seem pretty nice. Um, As far as first days go, it it went pretty well. You know? I, I don't know what else to say beyond that, dude. Because like I was telling you before we started, I have a hard time with the concept of unambiguous good news these days. It's not that I don't think that there's good news. It's just that it never seems straightforward to me. I don't know. And it could be a psychological issue, dude. Well, you had your moments
1: uh, with the goat king and some funny business in Vegas last year. So you 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 right to have a healthy skepticism. And of course, even when people are not outright deceiving, there could the whole system. Like when you did the healthcare or the auto thing. That's a great story. Uh, not great that it happened, but that you took the stand, that little stint in the auto. Uh, I think it was a dealership. But anyway, but of course, the health care, we saw the underbelly. And even though the people there may or may not have been good, either way, the whole system was corrupt. And so how do you participate in that with a contract? And so this new opportunity, I hope, of course, just the first day. So you're not going to get too much insight into how things will play out. But that so the people seem nice, and that's a good good place to have on. That's a good thing to have on the first day.
0: Hey, um, you mentioned a little bit about gasoline. What's the diesel prices like there in Florida right now? Uh five
1: seventy. I mean, they were up to six for a minute, and back down to five seventy. So
0: okay, because that's and, about that's yeah. about where it's here right now. It's a little cheaper, but it's around five sixty here right now. And the only reason I'm asking is because I'm kind of curious about diesel more than gasoline right now. It's not that gasoline is not important. It's just that a lot of what we need in terms of logistics and food depends upon diesel directly. And so it's an interesting question. I don't know where it's going to be by the end of the summer. I just know that whatever the price is by the end of the summer, it's going to have very little to do with markets, in my opinion, and a lot to do with manipulation. So, it's hard to know. I mean, we don't get told. You and I, we don't get emails telling us what they're going to do. And it really is about that. People continue to parrot the nonsense that we have for enterprise, but. Gosh, I wonder if my whole life we had much of it. In the last couple of decades, it seems like we've had almost none. No. So I don't know.
1: Oh, yeah. You, no, you, you call it uh, neo-Stalinism?
0: Yeah, word. neo-Stalinism. And, yeah.
1: Yeah, and I would just, because I was curious. I never pay attention to the, the spread of diesel and gasoline as a kid. So I I don't remember. So I looked up and I said, well, why is diesel more expensive? And then you research it, and they say that it's easier to refine diesel than uh, gasoline for cars. But yet we're set up, uh, America's set up with more gasoline refineries. And that's why, how does that, think of all the, like you just said, regardless of whether uh, oil is expensive or cheap, you know you're going to have people running John Deere tractors and semis up and down. Uh, electric is a joke for actually heavy lifting. It's great for nuanced things. I love it for nuanced little stuff. But if you want to do heavy duty, you've you got to use gas, whether it's propane or hydrogen, oxygen. Of course, none of that has been really developed for everyday use. But right now it's diesel, and that's how you move stuff. So it is the insanity that over 20 years, they wouldn't have started to shift or over the last hundred years and been set up knowing that all these heavy duty things are on you.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those, it's one of those questions we may never get an answer to. A a year ago, when I was thinking about this almost exactly a year ago, I became convinced that for whatever reason, they were going to keep the party going this one last time as long as they could. And I'm not saying the party's really going, I just mean to keep the illusion going. But here's the deal, when people talk about electricity, they'll talk about oil, and they'll talk about coal, and they'll talk about hydroelectric, and they'll talk about nuclear. But one thing that all those have in common is the need of diesel within their logistics to make them happen. You're not going to have a caterpillar, a big old giant caterpillar earth mover running on gasoline in some strip mine. It's going to be diesel powered. The trucks that move uranium and coal and oil are going to be diesel powered for the most part. I don't think that many over the road haulers are anything but diesel these days. I mean, maybe they are hybrid you know, fuel capabilities, but I'm not aware of them. So it seems weird Uh, When people talk about electric and they don't get that you don't get any electricity unless you can get those raw materials moved around. It's weird, dude, you know? And as far as hydroelectric goes, I mean, Lake Mead is nearing Deadpool. And that means about 40 to 50 million people could be without both electricity and water by the end of the summer, maybe. Could happen, you know? How do you deal with that? Yeah,
1: and hydroelectric is a, is a great concept. And when I said electric you can't do big things, I didn't mean if you had a power plant to transmit it. I just wanted to clarify. Oh, I, no, point d- clear I know what you meant, dude. But you know, it was just, you know, exactly what you just described. If you want to have, get things completed from A to B, you're going to bring in the diesel. So what do people do? I don't know, Dan. I, I'm amazed that they're able to keep the pumps running. Uh, but I, this could a, a form of, uh, Austerity of some sense, and it really has created it uh, insofar as people are slowing down. And when I, I talk to a lot of uh, the clients out there, and I can just see in their eyes their hesitation to pull out their wallet for stuff. And that's one of the reasons they're calling me because I have low overhead. I'm not a tree service with uh, all these extra heavy duty equipment things and a ton of uh, overhead. So that I feel like that's been one of the reasons my this has picked up. And people are feeling it, and they're very concerned, and they don't like the direction things are going. But what happens if, like, back to your question, uh, I no idea. I, I, it's a, it's a very inter- these are interesting times.
0: Well, they are. They are. And it's good to mention austerity. You know, back in 2019, before the, um, the monkey herpes, the monkey pox, the COVID, whatever you want to call it, Before the cult of coffee filters hit, there were plenty of signs, plenty of signs in 2019 that the financial system and the economic system were at a tipping point and not tipping in a good direction. And then we get the COVID. And the one thing the COVID did do is it did create almost a kind of global austerity, not just in the United States, but all around the world. And you could say, well, you know, that was not on purpose. And maybe I don't think it was an accident, you know? I I don't really know why they did it. It feels better to think it was just about more of the same ripping people off. Not that I like that they rip us off, but that's better than all the alternatives I can think of.
1: Yeah, but the, the COVID was an inflection point of a ramping up of the ripping people off and making things really pronounce the cut back on it. I don't know why it always done, but think of all the, the waste involved in having uh, the little coffee mate packets at all the hotel chains. Well, they don't have to worry about that anymore. That's one less thing. They have to produce and ship. And of course, that's just a kickoff to all the other stuff that goes with hotels that are wasteful. But with the business travel shutdown, hey, now we can focus the resources on uh, things people actually need because we are running out or there's some... Thousand year event coming, or China revolted? Who knows? I we, we covered that in other podcast, but for whatever reason, it was a huge austerity. My, my wife, who uh, does work from home, she'd go on business trips six months, uh, six times a year. Completely wasteful, not important. But and of course, her whole team would go. And no, now she doesn't doesn't do that post COVID. And all the air fuel saved, and the hotels, and the laundry machines, and People going out to dinner on business trips—that that alone, uh, that piece of the pie in the economy, in the wasteful resource—they cut back on, and for for what reason? Your guess is way better, than mine. Well, but definitely that yeah. is my underlying. Yeah, I agree with
0: you. yeah. Well, I just don't believe their explanations because they're getting they're getting tired. You know, since the spring of 2020, we've had multiple explanations for why they can't unload containers, why China can't ship shit, why the food processing plants are blowing up or catching fire, why farmer Tom had to set fire to his potatoes, and... You know, or the story about those 10,000 cattle dropping dead a few weeks ago in Kansas. Maybe it's a true story. I have no way to verify it. I have no way to tell people this is true or false. It could very well be related to the heat dome that was there a couple weeks ago. It could be related to something else. You know, when I really get kind of fucking paranoid, I think to myself, they're gathering up resources. And they're telling people that they aren't there. Oh, well, there's no potatoes. And they'll say, the farmers had to dump the potatoes. But it's way more likely that they're be- they're being gathered up. You know? Um, yep.
1: Yeah. Definitely yeah. agree. And it seems just it does seem like they just have, they're running out the clock on something that they don't control the schedule of, and they just have to keep throwing flying monkeys out because they, of course, they have the COVID and the masks, and I can tell you, and the vaccines, and the people down here are fed up with the, with all of the COVID nonsense. So, the monkey pox, they, they must listen to your show. Right? Monkey pox,
0: how <laughs>
1: fucking you, that was your, that was you. Uh, anyway. Uh, but now they have Roe
0: versus Wade. Like, yeah. Regardless of your thoughts, where the fuck did that come from? Well, it's like, it's it's not just Roe versus Wade. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> they made several. They they made several decisions public this week. There was Roe v. Wade. There was concealed carry. And then there's this whole issue around citizenship voting in New York City. It's like they want. It's like what you said. They're running out the clock. The COVID is nearly worn out. The Ukraine situation looks like some kind of bullshit so they say oh well then maybe this summer we can have more of that blm antifa bullshit but none of it's that real i mean I've, i saw the blm antifa shit in seattle with my own eyes i can tell you that was bullshit there i can't tell you it was bullshit everywhere else but i can tell you in seattle it was 100 percent orchestrated by the government so people will make no, it I... oh the commies are taking over no not unless you mean by commie the FBI and the CIA and military intelligence and local cops. And, and, you know, I kind of think they are commies. But unless you mean that, the commies were not taking over. It looks like they're setting up for another summer of crazy protests just to keep people immobilized by anger and confusion.
1: Mm -hmm. And just keep kicking the can uh, with another trauma drama uh, set upon false pretenses, but to get people emotionally riled up and just stir the pot and keep them distracted from what's really, the, the pressure is being put on them. With the inflation, yeah. inflation's insane. here. Yeah. I don't know how it is for you, but I mean, gas obviously, but everything, the house is all doubled uh, in a year, over like just one year, every house price is doubled in Florida. It, it, well, it, where I live, St. John. Jacksonville area, definitely doubled, straight up. Uh, and the food, you go to the store, and, you know, now beer, you used to always try to get a beer for at least a dollar, uh, and or 50 cents if I'm drinking Miller Lite. Now, if I want to treat myself to a uh, nice, like, Stella or something, a buck 50 per beer. You know, I, before that, that's what you'd pay at a bar 15 years ago. So anyway, everything just overnight felt like, over three months, in the grocery store, went up, and then it just kind of hovered, uh, just like the house prices went up a year. Now they're hovering, and with the interest rates, they're gonna, of course, get uh, effect, affected and probably drop a little bit. But yeah, it's, there's a lot of pressure. That's what we talked about. before We got on the call. I can feel a lot of people being overwhelmed, myself included, with just these pressures being put on them because of the financial squeeze going on with everything just. Overnight,
0: though. Well, that kind of gets to the first topic, because I came across this news article on Zero Hedge concerning this commenta- this, this uh, news commentator woman who had said that, you know, Americans are complaining too much, that it's not that bad, they need to get over it, and, it, and a, a little bit of gaslighting, to be honest with you, from one of these quote-unquote experts. And so, like, let's just talk about food. A year ago, for you and your family, if you don't mind saying, how much would you spend a month for food, rough guess, a year ago?
1: Say, if we went back 18 months to the before things started ratcheting, I would,
0: Six or seven hundred. Okay, and dollars. let's 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 What's just that? take it back before COVID. Let's pretend this was twenty nineteen. How much do you think you paid in a month in twenty nineteen? Would it be about that six or seven hundred?
1: Maybe a hundred cheaper, but yeah, not
0: too much. So different. can we call it just five hundred yeah. bucks, roughly?
1: Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, before before the COVID. let's do pre COVID, post COVID,
0: yeah, yeah five hundred. Prior okay. to the monkey herpes, it was about five hundred a month for you. Yes. Yes. Okay. Post-Monkey Herpes, what is it today per month for you guys, for food? And when I include
1: food, I'm just taking trips to the grocery store so that I could include paper towels,
0: Yeah, leech, everything you in include. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, every yeah, it's 800, 900, it haven't
0: quite doubled, but okay,
1: it's not the, the 8% they say.
0: Right. It's not the 8%, though. It's 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 way more serious. And from what I can tell, it's showing no signs of abating. Like it's it's getting like you said, there're little ups and there're little downs. But if I look at the trajectory in terms of either the money or in terms of things just not being there, shortages, or just in terms of shrinkflation and lower quality, it all looks kind of worse and worse. For example, if I were to get a a big old bag of potatoes um, a couple years ago, it would be rare that a potato would be rotten and it would be really rare that a third of them would be rotten or have a lot of issues. Now just think about potatoes, I get a bag of potatoes and it's like they're already beginning to go rotten when you buy them. And I don't know how to put that into a box with a label it. The, the same thing with onions, I eat a lot of onions. now. When you go buy onions, it's like it, it's not just that they're not as cheap as they were, but the quality's going down. Yes, I, I've definitely seen
1: that as well, and it doesn't seem like the produce lasts as long. Just overall, like if it looks good when you buy it, it just seems to go bad faster. Yeah. In addition to having more bad apples, but the other thing they did post COVID, I'll just and I say now literally the March twenty second or whatever that was. Because some of these things have been focused. But this, the portion sizes shrinkflation shrinklation. Uh, definitely, I saw that with the kids' stuff where you're just opening these boxes and they're 70% air <laughs> inside this big box of just nothingness and a little bit of uh, quality, uh, uh Depth price, no quality, box stuff. But they like it, so my wife buys it for them. But yeah, they definitely like little muff, those little muffin bite packets. I'll never buy those. She buys, them. sometimes treat, And they used to have five or six, and now there's three in the packet. It's like, what the? Three little muffins. It's, yeah, they they really cut the portions on the, uh, in the non-produce stuff. And then, of course, the produce went up, so that's what's the difference to limiting people's ability to buy more of the healthy things. All that, yeah. But overall, the, uh, oh, the fast food too. I like a good Wendy's double cheeseburger and I I used to always get it for six bucks pre COVID. For maybe seven at the most for uh you know, a double cheeseburger, a fry and a coke, medium. Six, seven dollars. Twelve dollars. Just felt like oh I'm like where did this come from? And then I go to take my kids to McDonald's, get a happy meal, not every day, every it's a treat. It's like I'm eating out a uh uh, uh, like a, a Chili's, you know, from a couple, you know, like a, uh, going to an Applebee's or chilies as far as the prices at McDonald's, it's crazy, like $3 for a fresh. So they all over the place. They're hitting you left and right. Of course, gas doubled, houses doubled in Florida, and the grocery price 40%. But continue with the, uh, the gaslighting part about it in that
0: commentator. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't know how to put it. I'm not going to say I get offended. Because I, I have a hard time getting offended anymore. I mean, I just there's just been too much of this gross shit to be offended. You get, you get bored by it, but I get kind of angry because there are people out there like you, you know, young families out there raising their kids, um, and this is hard, this isn't funny. It's not funny to talk about it, well, it's going to be like the 1970s. Listen, I was a kid in the 1970s, and I didn't grow up in the worst place ever, so maybe I didn't really understand it. But I remember when the situation got more difficult because my parents, their purchasing habits changed. They had, you know, they were raising eight kids, so they did make different kinds of choices here and there. But I don't think this is remotely comparable. I think that's another kind of gaslighting. I think they'll tell you, oh, it's going to be like stagflation. And it's like, are you kidding me? You know, one of the things implied by stagflation though, as bad as it might be, is you'll still be able to get stuff at the store. And my issue is, is I think that we're rapidly approaching a point where where there just won't be anything there at all. And I don't know when that's going to happen. I don't think we're going to get warning. I don't think the government's going to like go on the news and say in 90 days there'll be no food. I can understand why they wouldn't, but they're not going to warn us, and it's not going to be gradual. A lot of people are talking about gradual behaviors in these systems. These systems were never designed to be gradual. They were always designed to be chaotic. So it's hard for me to imagine why people think we're going to have this gradual sort of descent into a 1970s stagflation. I I don't get it.
1: No, I agree with that, and this... This period, I feel, is the descent into it where they're holding everything together until they can. not And, of course, they're not going to tell us they're going to be on their way to Antarctica, here in El Flaco, And it's just all going to fall apart. They're not going to be around to try to pick pieces up. They're going to be out of here. So this is their way of the austerity to keep people pacified and not uh, leave their posts at this point. Talk a lot about that, the nuclear and generals and all that, keep them thinking that, okay, keep the wheels spinning, keep the wheel spinning, because it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay, and look, there's still food in the grocery store, although you're paying double for it, which is a lot shittier, uh, but that's just a, whatever the supply chain is at, is a way to uh, ration, ration it, and it's definitely rationing, to but end as far as what the bigger picture is, I have no perspective on that. That's not what I'm seeing. And as far as this commentator telling people to calm down, the nineteen seventies, I just feel a lot of them are trolls, or they don't actually believe the bullshit they're saying because the, the internet is, well, of course, the dumpster fire. But when I meet people in person, everybody is of course fed up they're all about food family community of course you got your couple jackasses here and there who uh want to ruffle feathers with the neighbors but overall the neighbors are looking out for each other we're trying to help one another uh, we just want to have food on the table and peace and r- raise our kids and they're not worried about Roe versus Wade, they're not worried about gun control, they're not worried about uh, uh, all the latest monkey, flying uh, monkeys being put out on the news. We don't talk about that. We, we may talk about the stresses we're under, but we don't sit there and debate politics. It's just, we're, we're all over this shit. Just, we want to be alone and have a, a sense of peace in our lives.
0: Well, that's a pretty good segue. And before we continue, is there something crumbling on your side?
1: Because maybe the microphone on my shirt. Oh, I mean, gotcha. Is it,
0: okay. Is it still doing it? I just picked it up. Um, it's not doing it now. It was doing it before. Oh yeah. It's okay. I was okay. talking with my hands. I was
1: making suggestions. Helps me think. I have the microphone in my hand, so I can do both now.
0: Well, and not, hopefully and not,
1: and hopefully not crumble.
0: Well, and I'm sorry I'm such a, you know, so OCD about this crap. It's just like I was telling you, I have told you before, I wish I had a better way of doing this where, you know, we, we make do with what we got. Hey, I want to switch to the next topic, which is kind of related to what you were talking about before. And it's one of those things that I've mentioned on my podcast many times. I think you and I have talked about it and just when we think about it, like in terms of your neighborhood, like think of your neighborhood as the people you kind of know that live around you, if that makes sense. In terms of your neighborhood, if, if there came a day when there were no cops that would show up and there was, you know, maybe no food at the grocery store and none of the ATMs was working, um, if there came a day when the water was shut off, and there was no electricity, how do you think you and your neighbors would relate with each other a week later if the conditions were still the same?
1: I've thought about this a lot, and it comes down to resources. Because if, now not the resources, those are assumed in this scenario all gone, police, at the grocery store. That's gone. But what are we as a collective able to come together? And unfortunately, in suburbia, the answer is not a lot because although I do, credit to you, have a, uh, a water pump with clean water that I could hook up to solar, can't live off water alone. I am working on my floating garden though, but I don't know if I'll live off vegetables. And it wouldn't be enough for the neighborhood. So I think it would be utter chaos because people will go crazy when they don't have food and, of course, water uh, and electricity. And I don't think I think the police are kind of a non-important issue in the sense that if there was resources, then you don't need police. Uh, But if you don't have resources, well, the police aren't going to care. So either way, police don't really help the situation. Uh, in a catastrophe. So I think the farmers or there's a lot of rural land in Florida still in the middle. I think they would get along just fine. I bet they would all band together. They got their, they have their resources. Uh, they, of course, they still go to the tractor supply. They still probably buy some seeds and do stuff with John Deere maintenance programs, but they could work around that very easily. They could make adjustments I live a little more uncomfortably, but they could figure it out with their land. That's what I feel come down to is the land, of course, the setup, because food doesn't just pop up overnight. Farming is difficult. Uh, my hanging garden is n- nothing against the hanging garden, but I just can't get the right amount of water on my tomatoes. So overall, I feel it, it would determine how many resources are available outside of the ones that, of course, are all gone now. Uh, that people could access, but no, we we all it chaos stuff. Right? We we were all they would all turn on. They it would not be good.
0: And I mean, this is the thing because one part of this is about stuff. It's about food, water, and shelter, and other stuff. But the other part of it is is the ability for people to resolve problems without violence. And the problem I have is that whereas I think the issue of stuff is an issue. What's an even bigger issue is how a lot of people have been educated. You know, they've been educated to believe that there is a system that will take care of all these things, so they don't have to give a shit. They can go home at night, watch, play video games, watch TV, do whatever they need to do, and go to work the next day because the rest of it is taken care of. And what I worry about is the percentage of Americans who don't even understand that at the end of the day, the only way they're going to make it through this is by coming up with cooperative strategies and not threatening each other. If it boils down to people using violence against each other, things will get really bad really fast.
1: Yes, and that's why I was talking about the people that own five acres of land. Not huge farms. I'm not talking about huge farms. Five, ten acres. They already do a little homesteading, gardening. I think they would be absolutely fine, and they would work together because they have uh, already had those relationships built, just like I have relationships with my neighbors. But our pantry is only going to stay full so long, and then what do we do? Uh, I, that's where the rubber is. That's as far as I can get in my head with everything. is We'd probably be nice the first week and share things. But after the first week, what do you do in suburbia on a quarter acre of land
0: to get food And that's assuming the ground you can grow anything. Because a lot of people think that all ground is created equal, and that's not true. Um, Some ground is pretty good for growing food. Some might grow the food, but the food can end up poisonous. I mean, it's it's, it's like a few years ago, it could have been like a couple years ago, when I think Bloomberg said something like, you know, farming is easy, you just take a seed and you put it in the ground. And it's absurd. It's absurd that anybody would say that, although from a military psychological warfare perspective, that's the kind of bad idea you do want to put into people's heads. Because then they'll say, well, we can all farm. So it'll all be so easy. We'll always have food. You know, the reality is the way that the United States has been doing industrial scale farming my whole life has more or less destroyed the the Midwest as far as topsoil. And people will come back and say, well, it doesn't, the topsoil doesn't matter. They can just pour more chemicals on it, and it'll all be good. But the food isn't as healthy as it once was. It, it's, it contains a lot of sugar, and I suppose if we all want to die of diabetes, it's a pretty good diet. But almost all the food contains fewer nutrients than it once, than it once did. And these are things, I don't know that people really understand this. They... It worries me because, AJ, you know, I have a fear, like I said, that this isn't going to be gradual, that when it really hits, it's going to be basically like dropping off a cliff. And people won't have time to adjust to it at all. Um, and it will come yeah. down to people thinking their neighbors are out to get them. You know, I think people will fall prey to that kind of crap.
1: And that's where the people with the land are going to be able would be able to pivot into something uh, independently. I feel not all of them, but they have a much, 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 much better chance. And as far as the people in the the suburb, the way, of course, the education system teaches learn helplessness, memorizing dates in school, in school. Not being applicable to the real world uh, makes them just useless idiots that want to go home and play video games and watch TV. And they are obsessed with their lawn. Uh, oh my! And the water bill has gone up uh, because uh, you know everything's gone up—electric and water bill—and it's been so hot and dry that I people are spending $200 a month on their lawn to water it, and then they have this company show up. Cause I'm out in the field all. Oh, when I say the field, I'm out in the neighborhoods all day cutting trees. So I know all the landscapers now, and I see all the trucks that show people's houses. And it's a bunch of landscaping trucks. And the, the other between the people that cut the grass, the other number one truck I see show people's houses is the lawn fertilizer uh, chemical sprayers that come out and spray the lawn. And I know that service costs hundred dollars a month, and it's just so toxic and it makes the grass look nice and pretty. But that's three hundred dollars a month where if you could do something where you'd be growing food, oh the HOA says you can't do that. You can't have you gotta, you gotta keep your grass up. And but it's not only just the HOA, it's the people. They are like they'll they'll sometimes I'll I, I know now that I've like, put my one of my tires on the grass wait, but just a little bit of the tread is on the grass when I park on the side of the road. And they'll they'll look at me like I'm, Spraying glyphosate on, which they've already said causes cancer. How the fuck dumb are people? I don't spray anything on my lawn, and I use my well water to irrigate. But how they've admitted that that shit causes cancer, and yet that is the number one.
0: I mean, and it's it's like you said, homeowners associations will block people from growing food. I mean, that is, that yep. that's it. If you that. if you wanted a definition of the madness or an understanding of it, it's right there. You know, some will say, "Well, I didn't want to move into a neighborhood where people would grow food." They basically would prefer to live in a neighborhood where they pollute their groundwater if they haven't. It's just, it to me, It it, it is weird. I, I truly don't know. It's like what we were talking earlier about the job situation. When I confront these questions, I can go into my own little world and just be there and pretend that all this isn't happening. And it, it definitely is less painful, or I can acknowledge it. But from my perspective, it's one of those unsolvable things. Like... It's not something that there's a solution to. it's something you have to survive. you know it, it's not going to be fixed. I, I that's one of the, the things I try to talk to people about periodically is that you can come up with a, a strategy to live through this and it might and you might be able to do it depending upon where you live but there's nothing we can do to avoid it. It's like all the weird conversations people have about the Federal Reserve well, they're going to raise interest rates because they're going to control inflation. But when there's a recession, they're going to lower the rates again. It's like they can't do anything at this point to to prevent what is going to happen. And that is the party is very near the end. And and so no combination of saying everybody gets less pizza, that's not going to help. There's only two slices left. And it isn't a solution to say, well, let's just call the pizza guy because we don't have any money. So it's just, the party's almost over, and a lot of people are still, like you said, watering their lawns, pretending that world is, is part of the future.
1: hmm Yep, and if I, and I agree, our best choice is to sur- survive, thrive as best we can throughout this, because if there was one lesson that I took away from the whole monkey herb bogus coffee filter madness was that I am surrounded by cowardly idiots. And I'm never going to change that. So I have to sometimes play the game with them and they may say something that I disagree with and I just bite my tongue where before I might have tried to open up a dialogue not meanly but just try to get into a... No, I I don't try to convince anybody of anything since the coffee filter madness and it's actually been a blessing because it takes take stress off my plate and i focus on my my water pump or my floating garden or building my business so i can save up money to get a plot of land 30 miles out of town keep the house here but just you know start my own little transition because i like my odds back out in country a bit more or be ready to pivot and move to a completely different state and have the, the resources that Dollars still working at that point? I don't know. But at this point, it is. So, what other game can I play? And that's all energy I want to be directing myself towards. Not trying to persuade people about Democrat, Republican, or coffee, uh, wearing a mask or not. Uh, it's, that's just so, such a waste of time. And it is what it is, and I'm just trying to survive thrive.
0: Well, that's the thing. There's a lot of time wasting baked into these PSYOPs they've been doing. A lot of focusing on stuff that isn't going to help anybody now or in the future. It's like, you know, I think we mentioned earlier, the, you know, and if we didn't, the whole Roe versus Wade thing. It's not going to change anything, really. No, it's not. But it does. But it does piss people off, dude. It does. It, it does, you know. Go ahead. Yep.
1: That's no. I'm. I'm just because that's. I. I read that. I'm like, wait. When did this even become up for debate or up? Like, I. You think they would have said? I. Oh, the Supreme Court is considered, No. Just frontline line news. It's overturned overnight. How did this happen? Well, yeah. It's like you said, it just to get people pissed off and focused on the wrong things. Not food, water, shelter, and your family. Worry about some teenage girl getting abortion. What?
0: Well, yeah. It's or like worry about your own life. Don't worry about whether or not your water is clean and safe to drink. Worry about Will Smith slapping somebody, you know? Don't ask questions about how you and the people around you can make it with limited resources. Obsess over some Tyson chicken plant exploding. I mean, it's a lot of stuff that people can't do anything about, but does keep them angry, confused, and, in my opinion, immobilized. You know? Uh, that's what Bitcoin's been. I mean, oh,
1: shitcoin, is—that's all it's been It's a complete dump of wasted resources, energy, time. And get people you know, not only their own finances that they could have used possibly to buy land, uh, but it just has, it's, a, it's a credit card. That's all. I mean, the credit card works. But nothing's ever in the credit card. You know, blockchain. This nobody, no one understands it because it doesn't make any sense. It's not real. That's why no one understands it. Uh, so it doesn't work so i can't buy coffee with bitcoin and you know so that's just another one that we don't want to talk about bitcoin but that is another way another will smith slapping chris rock to keep
0: people off of what there should be prioritizing so i got a question for you and and this is kind of like the last topic in a way but it's sort of a big topic and i don't care how long we spend on it um I, I'm a Christian, as you well know, I believe in God, and my faith is as strong today as it was when you and I first started interacting, you know, way back in 2019, Bookland Talk. And, but every once in a while, I ask myself the question, if I didn't believe in God, what do I think would be the nature of the universe? And I'm, I am, when I'm in those moments, drifting towards something called simulation theory. Are you familiar with it? Okay, so just first thoughts. I mean, could you imagine the universe being a simulation? Well, no.
1: Because I also believe in God. And I think there are some parallels between what God do, what God does, which can appear to be or written off as a simulation. Uh, For example, connecting you with people, like, how I, I found your podcast on the Zero Hedge message board, and it was a link. You know how many links there are? Like, bullshit, like, hire this prostitute, you know, or Russian model wife on Zero Hedge. I don't know why. I probably had a funny comment above it. Probably why I clicked on the link below it. And then I started hearing you talking about the Thames, London, Wales, have... Uh, cocaine in them or something? Well, you no, know, yeah, the just, the eels, the eels. I don't know, that... this guy. Is the eels? Yeah, excuse me, the eels. And was, and it just my brain was. I just need to hear this guy talk more. And of course, you your listeners know you go from funny to serious, and spiritual, whole package, technical, engineering, super, polymath type tool player, and it just wow, but. That was the only way I was going to find you. I'm not going to find you on YouTube. I wasn't going to get your shadow band. But it was your persistence and then the timing and all that. And someone might say, well, that was just part of the simulation. Well, I would say that was an act of God. And the reason I don't think we live in a simulation is because who would be creating the simulation? Well, there must be a creator of the simulation, unless you could counter that in a second. I'll, I'll finish up here. But that's where I want to go back to where I started, where that's the parallels where it might seem like a simulation, but I see it more as a choose your own adventure path, where it's, you do have the free will, but then you may be getting determined into certain rivers or channels, but you can pick the rivers and channels, so it's not quite free will, it's not quite determinism, somewhere in between, and overall God is watching you because He created you, and you have faith in Him because you've seen His works. His beauty. Just watch nature. How can you not? Uh, how I never look at a tree growing, or a butterfly fly by, or a lizard come up, and or my cat who goes on walks with us. Just the, the eclectic nature of God and just His kingdom here. That there, there's a divine hand. Stars, the sun. You see, it's no accident. I don't believe in the Big Bang theory or evolution. So. There's a hand of God involved, and then sometimes he lets you like it's like you're his kid you got, he says, All right, you make your own choice here. And sometimes he's gotta be the parent, pull you pull your hand a little bit. And that's where the pulling the hand a little bit may feel like a simulation, but there's too much other things that need to be unpacked if you just want to say it's a straight simulation. Right.
0: And I mean you make a good point, AJ. What is the difference between a universe that is controlled? by an omnipotent infinite lord in heaven versus a universe that's just controlled by some dude who's computer programmer and there is a big difference spiritually but in terms of what you would see it might look the same i mean you know a lot of things may seem strange like different types of physics experiments involving photons the double slit experiment stuff like that all of that can seem spooky and strange and and not resolvable but then the nature of the lord in heaven is kind of, you know, spooky and strange. I mean, to believe in an infinite lord is a is a strange belief. I'm not saying it's a bad belief, but it's it's a strange belief if you claim to be a rational scientific person. And and again, I have my reasons for faith, you have yours. But it is a spooky, mysterious path to get to faith. Like Before I believed, I just didn't believe. And no amount of convincing me would have convinced me otherwise. Um, No amount of argumentation. In fact, the argumentation probably would have just made me firmer in my belief. And so it took a lot of spooky things to happen, but the simulation people would say, listen, that's also what happens in a simulated, you know, kind of fake universe, is that you you have these strange things occur. And like I said, AJ, if I didn't believe in God, my next stopping point, cosmologically speaking, would be simulation theory. Everything else is just too, too absurd, too ridiculous. The stuff, you know, the, the way that they try to resolve the issue of life on Earth now is mostly based on the multiverse, and it's like, it's too, it's too strange to believe, you know, almost too weird to believe. And people, again, have a right to believe whatever they want to. And maybe this is a weird topic, you know, you're familiar with the Mandela Effect, the idea that people could misremember things. Yes. Well, I've been thinking about this for a couple years now, and one explanation could be just psychological. It could be just that people are misremembering, it just happens. That's a valid explanation. Another explanation could be that the government funds time travel and they periodically send time travelers back to fix shit or change shit. That seems absurd to me, but it may be that. And the other thing I thought about is what if time is not what we think it is? Like, you know, Albert Einstein had a huge impact upon our understanding of the universe by more or less coming up with a couple of theories, the theory of special and general relativity, to help us understand that time and space were relative, that they weren't constants the way that Newton described them. But what if it's, you know, even weirder than that? What if what we call the present within any space time is not a constant? Like it changes, it contracts and dilates based upon what I would call just the complexity of causality. It's sort of like saying, if you went to the, the most boring corner of the universe, you would probably find the closest thing to a quantity of what's called the present. The amount of of time that exists in the present. And it might be very small. But then sometimes I think there's so much chaos occurring that the present doesn't resolve itself. You know, you're familiar with the Schrodinger's cat thought experiment, right? Where Schrodinger's cat, you know, is either alive or dead, but you can't really verify it and it's a probability, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, what if that's not about the multiverse, the way some people try to interpret it, or about simulation theory, which is another angle on it. What if it's about the fact that there are moments in the lifetime of the universe where things don't resolve fast enough, where the leading edge of the present keeps moving forward, but there's so much complexity and stuff that has to be resolved that that moment of the present gets bigger in terms of extending into the past. It's kind of like, you know, it's, I don't know. I don't know of a good example. It's sort of like, (laughs) you know, it's like any type of queuing problem. You know, like if you go to the grocery store, a lot of these grocery stores now have one or two checkout people available. And if you only have a couple people coming to the store, it happens pretty fast. And you could say, well, okay, the now, the present, is a defined minimal state in that situation, a small thing. But then you get a rush of people coming in because it's Memorial Day. Now all of a sudden, it takes a while to get through those lines, to actually get people out the door. And I'm beginning to believe that the present, what we call the present, is a lot like that. Um, There's no such thing as a normal circumstance. You know, here on planet Earth, you have billions of people making hundreds and thousands of choices every single day. And all of this on some level has to be resolved, whether it's in a simulation or, or by, I, by some other mechanism. And so I guess what I'm saying is, what if some of the spookiness of the Mandela Effect is that there are things in the near past that are still not resolved? Like, it, it, that it, it could still go either way, and until it is resolved, we have these spooky observations where one person says Kool-Aid with a K, another person says Kool-Aid with a C, another person remembers that, you know, what was it? The, the, <laughs> the, the Ed McMahon will come to your house and uh, give you yeah. publishers', publishers like clearinghouse. Yeah. yeah, well, mm-hmm. people remember it different ways, and what if, until it's resolved, those different and even contradictory interpretations are all still equally true. And that's weird. No, that no. Go ahead.
1: No, no, actually, no, there, I followed everything you said. I I have two overarching thoughts. The first one is I do think I'm flexible, and you can just feel like this conversation here doesn't, it's been... An hour now, but it doesn't feel like an hour. It's gone really fast. It's what he said about the hot stove and the hot girl relativity. And then I've also noticed that just certain days I'll feel like, and this is irrelevant of whether it's a good experience I'm having or a bad one, it feels like the time has passed uh, to, wh- uh, to where it's flying by. Not because I'm having a great time, but just where if I'm working and where it's 12 o'clock already? Had this time? And then other days, I look at my watch and it's only 10 o'clock and I feel like I did the same amount of work. I started at 8, but one day I did this amount of same X amount of work, but one day I look at my watch at 10 and there's 12. And it just, it's just like a, a stretching or shrinking of time that I do feel, and I don't know if that's, if that's part of what you were saying with the things not being resolved because my other Mandela effect was that I think it's a lot of stuff that the government maybe has changed and it's always like a movie title, or like the Ed McMahon one, I guess, he had a life insurance commercial right before the publisher Clearinghouse, allegedly. I have a horrible memory for something, for things that don't mean something to me, so I couldn't remember if it was a Kit Kat, or a Dash, or not, or Jiff or Skippy Peanut Butter, or Head Gracie. But those things all are just insignificant to me, but what, fast, what tickles me more is the stretching and shrinking of time whether it's a good conversation or whether just it's the mundane but it's the, a quick mundane or a long mundane those are two different things but it does feel as time goes on in my life that it gets a little more pronounced kind of like the heat just a little bit more i i, I pick up on it and i my my final thought before you uh rebuttal or have uh, comments is i noticed that about two years ago they don't have the time posted anyway. Now, you're saying it's on your phone. You can look it up whenever you want. That's true. But it always used to be on the banks. The banks have the signs, the LEDs. Now I don't see that ever here in Florida anymore. And then some, I don't like to kick my phone on. I love to have my phone uh, leave it in the car if I go in the store. I leave it at home sometimes because I need a break from it. So I want to know the time. And I look on the, the self-checkout display for the time. There's no time. I look on the receipt. No time. Like, why well, just got a receipt? Why isn't there a, a date on it, but not the time. So I, I I don't know why they don't want us focus on the time. Of that. Forget about that. If that's not interesting. But I, something I've observed. They don't have the time out for as much. They did when I was a kid. Every bank had that L, LED with the date time and time come on in for a $100 fund.
0: Well, you know, when I was a kid, and even as a younger adult, you know, people wore wristwatches. And it was common to see lots, and I don't wear one any longer. And I, th- and sometimes I think about that, like, well, you know, is that good? Is that bad? But it does. I, one of the things I will say about time, if you want to manipulate millions of people, one of the one of the the ways you can do it, one of the buttons is how people perceive the passage of time. And you're right. A big part of the Mandela Effect could be just the government and other institutions screwing with us. It could be. I mean, that could be the whole thing, really. Um, You know, there's no way to know. I heard about the Mandela Effect several years ago, and I was kind of like, I don't really care that much. I mean, people have crappy memories. How can we be certain that, you know, people aren't just on a percentage basis wrong? I mean, someone will be right and someone will be wrong about an event in the past. And that's just the way it is, right? You know? Um, it's yeah. like observing, it's like the JFK assassination. Or actually, a better example is 9 11. You know, the morning of 9 11, everyone, including people who were there, quote unquote, near the World Trade Center buildings, everyone had a perspective and the way they looked at it, and the way they understood it. And it wasn't just what they saw, but it was also how they showed up to it, what what mental state were they in. And so how do you really resolve all those thousands of perspectives on something that happened very quickly, uh, very violently, and was being managed by the media almost immediately? It, it's just one of those things where maybe you don't get to have an answer. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I
1: agree, and so it makes me think of 1984, where they talk about, they just will rewrite the history, and that's what Winston's job was, to go in there and change the news and the history books, but I think they're going to they're gonna write about the COVID in my grandkid history book, like it was real. Yeah. And you were I told, no, though, it was, it was as real as a flying monkey.
0: Well, and you know, yeah. Like,
1: so what do we really know about anything, unless we've experienced it?
0: Well, that's why, you know, that's why this topic of the simulation theory came up for me. Because I was thinking about, I'm thinking about writing a paper, um, uh, you know, on the topic of, of time. And I don't know if it'll be any good, and I don't know when it'll be finished. But like I said, the core thesis is, is that what we define as the present, or the now, is not even even in terms of Einstein's space time is not what we think it is it's not it's not something that you can even treat in in numerical terms the way that we do now you know if if you're in okay let's say you're in a spaceship relative to the earth and your spaceship is going very close to the speed of light time for you on the spaceship will slow down okay that you know even though it'll look the same to you if there was an observer on Earth and they could observe your clock, your watch, they would notice that that clock, that watch was slowing down. And And the inverse would be true for the person in the spaceship. It would seem like time was going faster and faster for people on Earth, but the quantity of what you would call a unit of time in both cases is assumed to be constant, okay? Well, the problem is I don't think that that's even remotely the case. I don't think a moment is a moment is a moment, whether you're traveling in a spaceship or on Earth. And it might even be a different type of relativity, but, but not related to, to space-time or gravitation, but related to the way in which causality functions in the universe, You know, the way in which events influence each other. The, the baseline assumption is that all these events can resolve themselves at the same rate, no matter how many events occur. But does that really make any sense? I mean, doesn't it make more sense that um a a simpler universe is going to be able to work through all the branches and choices in a more fluid way than a very complicated universe? It seems like there is a connection between complexity and time, that the two things are related. And I, I you know I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it kinda of got me thinking, like what if the government of the United States being very wise and intelligent, you know, lobbying nuclear weapons up to 100 miles up to see what that would do and, you know, fracking for gas with nuclear weapons. What if these wise and intelligent people decided at CERN about, you know, 10, 12 years ago, the massive Hadron Collider, what if they thought this was a simulation and they decided the only way that they could determine if it was a simulation was to introduce a lot of noise into the system? And they were going to use the super collider to do that. So you introduce a lot of noise, a lot of information, and maybe even introduce it into the near past, and that creates little causal feedbacks to have to resolve themselves. Well, what if what if they were trying to prove it's a simulation, and their goal was to break it? Well, Well,
1: there's a lot there that I'd love to think about because we have did do one podcast about time travel we did we on some of these things that, and you've refined your thoughts a little bit more about the uh the flexibility and the, the nuance of time which I, I totally can feel uh and can't describe explain but believe it's there and agree with the sentiments you just discussed so as far as as far as the atrium collider i, mean, I would tell you that since my sister passed away in 2012, which I think was around the time of that, so you know, correlation is not causation, and I don't know if they're related at all, but I definitely felt more in touch with God, universe, and the noticing the little glitches in the matrix, of course I don't think the matrix is just straight simulation, but that was back to what we talked about earlier about you know, God this up, because it has to have structure and form, well, that's a matrix, doesn't mean there's not fluidity to it, which is what you're uh, chipping away at here, and the I have to think about that more, Dan, I don't want to say stuff I can't process up because it blows my, I do think about time on occasion, and it'll just really fascinate me. And of course there's the whole synchronicity thing, which I don't know if you've experienced as much, and I don't experience enough, they'll come in clusters. Like I'll go three months without one, and then boom, 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 like I'll be thinking about someone and then they call me, stuff like that. And then it'll happen in a cluster of a 48-hour period. Uh, and it'll be, in, the way I view it, is it's a, it's a message from me, from God, that I'm on the right path. Uh, and that cause it's always a positive thing. So. That's something else with time that introduces uh, material things under the construct of time. But how is that all orchestrated? Well, that would lead to something fancy simulation. But I also say no because I, just, I think that's such got it, which is not a simulation. It's him putting his hand down here and helping
0: me. Well, you know, it's funny. A lot of the simulation theory people will pose it as a question between idealism and materialism. They'll say, well, they're the idealists because, you know, they think that the stuff we think is stuff is really just computer code. But actually, the way they both talk, I don't see a difference. For them, it's either random matter manifesting itself as reality, or it's just some type of random computer program manifesting itself as reality. I don't see that there's much of a difference from that perspective, and neither is an idealist position. I mean, if someone were to say to me, somebody, damn, you know, come over here, come over here in the alley, I'm going to tell you something. The, the universe was created by somebody. Well, 10, 15, maybe more like 15 or 20 years ago, I would have listened, but I, I wouldn't have agreed with you. Then if you told me 10 years ago, I'd said, yeah, I think that could be true, but I wouldn't have thought of it as a computer programmer, because frankly, the metaphor doesn't work. You know? Computer programming makes sense in the context of very simple problems, but when you're talking about orchestrating all of reality, how would you make that work? What kind of computer would you need? I mean, I I know there are some people who would say, well, they only have to render the reality that's in front of you, and that's true. I mean, the great thing about simulation theory is it has a certain kind of compactness, when it comes to the general cost of rendering reality but the problem is is that it is an incredibly complicated thing like it's not just a person it's billions and then i've had people come back and say well how do you know it's billions i mean here's what i would say about simulation theory at a certain point it's just another kind of extreme skepticism you know like solipsism which is the belief that nobody exists but me you know that everything yeah, out there, actually, every person, everything, is just some sort of fiction. Yeah, that doesn't make sense to me.
1: I think the simulation theory is, is an analog uh, for a subset of God's creation. And so it can be used, and it can make sense if, if you're going to stay in the subset. Like, oh yeah, for example, a tree growing you know, under certain conditions will grow under these conditions. Uh, so it's like a program uh, uh, with four statements and if, for, uh, four loops and if statements. Yeah. If, if it gets water, it's going to do this. The stars, well, those are computer programs, in quotes. But, well, who made the stars, though? Now you have to leave the subset of the analogy and look at a bigger picture. Like chicken and the egg, what came first? Well, I would say the chickens came first because then they can make eggs. So you got to have them put here first, and that's, an act of God, because the act just doesn't show up out of nowhere. So that that you're then again leaving the subset. So it, I think it's a, a nice analogy for a component of what we experience in life.
0: Well, you know, I saw this one philosopher give a lecture once. His name was John Searle, and he's actually famous in the world of philosophy of language and in in the world of you know in the world of um. Philosophy of Mind and Philosophy of Language, John Searle a famous guy, and he talked about you know the idea of having a computer on your desk, and this computer is running a weather simulation. And one of the questions he posed to the, the people in the audience was, if this computer is rendering a very accurate weather simulation that allows you to make guesses about the weather around you, does that imply logically that there's a tiny little storm inside it? You know, tiny little weather system, like little clouds and winds and whatnot inside the machine. I guess it depends on
1: what How's it making its predictions based off historical data. Well, it's just using
0: data. It's just using current historical data and current data. The point is, is a simulation the equivalent to the real thing? And his point was, it isn't. It might seem real, but it's never going to be real. It's always just a cheap kind of ripoff of reality. It, yeah. there, there isn't a tiny little storm in the computer. It's like when people are playing oh. a video game, and there's these orcs and elves and wizards and whatnot. It's not like Tron, you know, where <laughs> there's little people inside your computer. It's just the... Um, it's really just the, the manufacturing of a set of numbers that describes reality. And it might do so in a really colorful way, but it's not reality.
1: Yeah, it's the ones and zeros of the
0: transistors pushing on a very high level. And that's it. That's it, there's no more to it than that. Hey, we're pretty much out of time just about, but before we go, I just wanted to see if there are any wildcard questions or subjects you want to talk about. I, you know, just for the Hello. listeners to know, um, AJ is a person I, I like to have on periodically because he does live in Florida. And um, I was going to talk about the snakehead fish because I was watching all these, these fishing videos on YouTube and people are really getting into that snakehead fishing in certain parts of Florida. I've never even heard of
1: this. What is is that the cat? Is that where they stick their hand in? The whole, no, that snakehead's
0: an invasive species that that wasn't oh. you, you know, it's a lot like the Burmese python they tell you the Burmese this is okay. actually kind of interesting in the context of, of the whole conversation about reality, but you know, the Burmese python supposedly exists now in the Everglades um, I don't know if that's true I mean, have you ever seen a python down there? No, I don't I've been here 12 years and I've seen just three
1: alligators and a lot of lizards. Um, okay, so, iguanas,
0: no, though. Yeah. Igu- you see a lot of iguanas? You have to go to Miami and Key West to see
1: iguanas. Those, okay. those things are funky, yeah. But no, we don't have, I'm too far north. I'm 90
0: minutes south of Georgia. Okay, so you're way too far north to get the snakehead fish and the python and the iguanas. Yeah. yeah I bet you don't even get those way. monkeys that have the herpes, do you?
1: Uh, I'm only an hour, I think,
0: an hour south of me,
1: so they could maybe come up here. Yeah, they're among here. It's central Florida, but you no. Know, otherwise, in Florida, everybody's trying to move here from the other states, probably Texas and places like you have found in Utah. Uh, but I've, overall, yeah, things are good. And I wanted to, I did want to say, I had a a comment, a, I enjoyed. Your interview the other day with Seattle Mike. I always like to hear his perspective uh, being in Seattle and I know all of your guys' relationship. And great to hear his with his tech. He's involved in aerospace and how he sees things with the supply chain. His thoughts. Uh, very much appreciated that conversation and my question was uh, have you talked to Justin really for a while because I did listen for the 100th time to the road line commissioner. Debate, which I recommend to any new listeners, is the funniest thing in the world. Literally, I have listened to it a hundred times, for sure. Because whenever I need something to brighten up my day, I put on 90 minutes of just, so, so makes me laugh every Why are women so, uh, so many, I just say, like my uncle and I just say sometimes I like, quotes to my kids and now they just know them they don't I say it's uncle Dan. uncle Bens uh, from the show but you sound like my uncle he was that I don't know if you ever re to that because that's just the I don't know what the show was but if you want to put in the show notes the road line commissioner and then I did want to ask you, uh, how justin and Ralene were doing if you're still in contact if not no worries but I appreciate that body of work
0: i I kind of lost contact with them. Um, in in early 2021, Uh, I don't know how they're doing. I'm assuming they're doing okay, as much as any of us are, you know. Okay. Yeah, just wanted to check and see. But
1: other than that, trying to stay cool down here, and I'm glad your new job is going well. Anything new to report on the homestead with uh, JT?
0: No, I mean our project is has been a little bit on hold for about a month and a half now because we've both, we both got to get some money in. But I suppose the good news is, is that if, we're, if I'm getting money in, it means I can buy equipment, and it means I can do things like set up a continuous listening station and stuff like that. I may even try to like put together a kit and send you a kit to set up in Florida just for a listening station. But we're, we're still focused on doing this digital over CB radio and other forms of radio, it it seems ridiculous to people who have broadband, and I gotta tell you, if you believe the broadband is always gonna be there, then I guess it is absurd. But in reality, I think it can help a lot of people, and so it's going okay, we're educating people where we can, and I'm hoping in the next few months we start making some pretty cool forward progress again you know JT's and that is basically in the woods 16 days out of the month and and when I say he's in the woods he's unreachable so it's mm-hmm. you know and, and and when he gets done with work i mean everybody needs time off so it's it's been different it's yeah. been it's been okay there's a lot of dogs around the house and i love them but they all need attention i was going to
1: you know yeah i was going to ask about boomer and his uh chopping.
0: <laughs> he's doing better. You know, he he was abused as a puppy. He was being trained to be a fighting dog. And they do a lot of stuff with food aggression when they're doing that. And he's still getting over it, but he's getting a lot better. I mean, he's just a really great dog, except for that one thing. And the problem is that one thing can really be painful. So we're, we're, we're doing a better job of keeping him, keeping him on the right track and he's doing a better job of staying on the right track. Um, Other than that, things are okay here, you know. I've been here more than a year, and I can truly say that this has been one of the most peaceful times in my recent life. It's not that I always have my head turned, you know, screwed on right, it's not that I have a great attitude all the time, I don't, but if I could be anywhere right now, this is a good place to be, you know. but beyond that, it's like everyone else, dude, just getting by. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I would I, love I, to tell I, you. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, I. Just one comment on the uh, RAD engineering is I watched the presentation you guys posted from the conference two or three months ago, and I then fully understood what you guys are doing, and you're 100% right. If, if the system keeps kicking this, it's it's, like, it's a catch-22, because as long as the system's in place, people aren't going to see the immediate value in it. But when the system does fall apart, they're not going to have the time and resources. And, or maybe they will. I, I shouldn't say they won't. It, it, it's, it's such a sudden shift that it'll be like too late. And they're more worried right now about spending $300 a month on their fucking lawn, yeah. which, over three months, they could have a engine engineering system and have that as a safety. Net, uh, insurance policy, a real insurance policy for communication, but they love their laws. So it's, it's a great company, innovation, concept, brought to life. You guys got it out in Puerto Rico, some other substations, and I fully get it. It's, like you said, people can't find the value in it because they're so attached to this paradigm.
0: Yeah, and it's just that you can't really get the money to fund it. It's it's like I said, we had barely enough money to get started, and we had to go back to work again. So, you know, in terms of the amount of time left to do anything, I don't know what we're going to be able to do. Neither one of us was so ridiculous that we thought we would get, you know, we'll get really rich doing this. We got into this knowing that maybe the main outcome would be educational. which which would be to get people researching radios, CB radios, ham radios. And so that even if the only outcome was there's more people out there, you know, doing this digital radio stuff, that by itself is a success. I mean, I'm hoping that we can get more tools out there before it's too late. But what does too late mean? I mean, the plates are still spinning. You know what I mean? The plates are still spinning, they're still using their their magic to keep just enough stuff in the system so people think, well, everything is kind of okay, and worst case, it's stagflation. So, you know, clearly people still are enamored by the state of affairs, and they still believe that the system's going to feed them. So there's really not an agenda to go beyond that. And like you said, even if they wanted to, a lot of people just don't have the money. Um. It, it kind of points to this whole thing about the thing about inflation is usually it does lead to people having more money in their pockets. But what I've noticed is that with all the inflation, people are just as empty of dollars. Most of the people I know have as few dollars today as they did you know, a year ago. So it, it's very strange. It's hard for me to, to categorize the economic state of affairs except to say that it's being manipulated. Um, and probably in such a way that we're we're gonna we're gonna probably go from whatever speed we're at to shortages i don't think there's going to be some transition through deflation or inflation or hyperinflation i just think we're going to have massive shortages and that's it it's over um it, it's not doesn't mean the end of the world doesn't mean the end of the world but it does mean that the walmart reality is almost over
1: That's where the, the Red is it's just a tough spot because when it, when things are work Walmart's still open and has crap on their shelves, people are not and the internet works. That's a big one. And they they're gonna that'll be the last thing to go. People always tell them the internet. You no, know, they need the internet control to control the nine. They're not that'll be the last thing they take out uh, out. They'll make sure that's going to the very end. So that will you know, just hamper people from buying into a great idea of self-sufficiency with communication. It's, it's a bummer because then when it is, the, the rug is finally pulled. It's going to go so fast. It won't. Yeah, it's just a tough spot for that great idea. Of
0: it's that. a it's a tough spot for a lot of things. I mean, it's not. It's about technology. It's about food, water, shelter. It's about all the above. Everything that people feel like they would need or they feel like they'd want they're still purchasing from the system and the system is still giving them something for some amount of money and I just I can't really say when that will stop if, if I believed we had a free society I'd say it doesn't have to stop you know the, the, the a truly free market can make adjustments because it just does but how does this overly engineered bureaucratic system make adjustments well it doesn't really it, it makes enforcements. It tells people and reality what it should be. And what I know about reality is in the end it wins all the arguments. So there is no adjustment from this type of tyranny. It simply fails.
1: You know? <laughs> That's a good... Is that, your, is that Dr. Freckles quote? Reality wins all arguments. I've never heard that. Well, it
0: may that. not be, but maybe I should put it down as one. But it's true though. Reality does when you're on Earth. Yeah. And, 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 and and you could say God wins all it. arguments if you want to put it that way, but reality yeah. wins all yeah. the arguments. We can have all the opinions we want to, but reality will finally give us what's going to happen. So who yeah. knows, dude? And, yeah, and I got to go and that's a great note to end on that
1: reality yeah, does and all our Dr.
0: Well, AJ, I'm really glad you joined me. And I am sorry about it being so hot there, but hey, you live in Florida, so that's kind of a thing, you know? (laughs) It is. It's expected. So, yeah, the other parts of the uh, very pleasant. And for all the listeners out... Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, uh, pleasure to speak with you. I always enjoy listening and, of course, be on and have a conversation with you. Thank you, Dan. I'll let you
0: wrap up. Okay, and thank you, dude. And for all the other people out there listening, thank you for listening. Um, other than that, I hope everybody has a great rest of their week. I'll talk to you later, AJ. Thanks, man.